0: It's chaos. It's a different type of Sunday scary. It's your newest obsession. It's Dirty Driving, a Formula One podcast. We're the Hornsby sisters.
1: I'm Katie. And I'm Megan.
0: Hello, everyone. Hey, hey, everyone. How's everybody doing today? Megan, how are you today? We're in different places as usual, but new place for you.
1: Yes, just away for the weekend, doing
0: work and doesn't mean we don't not record (laughs) (laughs) we're always here to say what happened in the last race so we had a lot go on before the weekend even started um lots to quickly talk about um mercedes was running a pride logo and will be running a pride logo for the next couple weekends which is always lovely to see hamilton said we might as well just run it for the rest of the year
1: Honestly, I think it looks better than the silver, so I'm down for it.
0: Yeah, it kind of gives it this, like, holographic feel to it. It looks pretty.
1: It's more, like, futuristic. Like, like in 50 years, we have, like, Mercedes spaceships competing, <laughs> like, Xenon on the on the moon. I feel like that is going to be the standard logo for Mercedes.
0: You did not just bring up Xenon to me. That was nice. Favorite show, a movie as a kid.
1: I mean, movie Z what Z three? They go to the moon. They race. I feel like that's Z3. Where, that's what's gonna happen. We're gonna have the holographic pride Mercedes logo. I think we just keep it forever. Mercedes, put it on your cars. Put it on the road once. Let's do it. Full send.
0: <laughs> and then Alfa Romeo also popped out with a brand new livery, um, which I really enjoyed. Um, it was to celebrate one of their brand new road cars, but. Um, I thought it was beautiful, and I think they should also keep that all year round.
1: I mean, I loved it. Don't get me wrong. I also, my only criticism, because, you know, I got to have some criticism, is, like, why do we do these cool liveries, and you're, like, they they don't do it the whole way. Like, come on. Just, like, the flag, like, maybe fade the colors in a little bit. It was just very stark between the three colors. Like, come on. Can we get a little more pizzazz? It's just like a little, like, let's finish, let's finish them. Let's make them just a little bit less, like, and it's kind of like what I think about the Ferrari livery, like, here is the red, there is the black, like, faded into each other.
0: Yeah, can we get a nice blend going?
1: I don't think they know <laughs> how to blend. They don't know how to blend. Clearly, they don't have anybody on their team that uses a beauty blender. Like, <laughs> let's step it up here, guys. Um, well, other things that happened that are very important that happened, and I didn't actually think this was a legitimate thing that you could do, but Lewis Hamilton became an honorary citizen in Brazil. Not doubting it. Not criticizing. Full send. Love it. He, the man... The man loved Brazil last year. He mounted his Brazil 2021 (laughs) comeback. But I had no idea you could just be made like an honorary citizen of another country.
0: Yeah. And I'm pretty sure he gets like a passport and everything. So
1: does this mean that his home race win is now like 11 or 10? I think it's 11 because he has his eight Silverstone wins and then three Brazil wins. Does it mean he's at 11? He's the most winning driver at home.
0: He might just be with Brazil. He might just be. I'll have to, we'll have to fact check that one. But.
1: Fuck it. I'm deciding right now. Lewis Hamilton, <laughs> most winning driver at home. Thank you, Brazil. He has dual citizenship now. <laughs> Lucky, duck.
0: Lucky duck. Lucky he, duck. He did it by becoming a famous F1 driver who loves Brazil. And I'm just looking for my green card. So... <laughs>
1: She has another way she's gonna get that. It has nothing to do with F one driving.
0: <laughs> All right, what else happened, Megan, this weekend?
1: Um. Okay, we had Williams had the twenty five thousand dollar fine following a procedural break of Formula One's financial regulations. <sighs> this rule, it's one of those tricky financial rules that I have not dived into F one other than knowing what the but the budget cap like. I don't really care about when you report your finances. Um, But the rule says from 2021 teams are required to submit like a interim account of their spending against the cost cap. Um, And essentially they didn't do that. They voluntarily disclosed the truth. They fully cooperated to seek a remedy and then they paid the fine as a result. Um, It would have been worse if they hadn't have like voluntarily told on themselves and admitted to it and then, are actually working with the FIA to not make it happen again. So, you know, annoying that they had to pay that fine, but it could have been a whole lot worse. Um, So that's the boring news. The crazy news (laughs) is that Lewis Hamilton is going to executive produce an F1 movie, which Brad Pitt will star, and the director of Top Gun Maverick, which if you haven't seen it, go watch it, go see it. I loved it. It was incredible. But... The filmmaker of Top Gun Maverick, Joseph Kaczynski – I think that's – I'm going to go with that's how we pronounce it. Sorry, man. Um, will actually be directing it. I'm here for it. Yeah.
0: Uh, This is probably the news that came out before the weekend that I was most excited about. I mean – I read, I did some research on it and supposedly the plot line is like Brad Pitt is this like old retired, don't quote me on this because who knows what it's really going to be about, but this old retired race car driver who comes back into the sport and pairs next to a rookie, I'm pretty sure, or like is competing with a rookie for the championship and um, that's kind of all I was able to find out, but I'm pretty excited for this one. Pretty freaking excited.
1: I'm absolutely pumped. I'm actually really pumped that it's going to be an Apple film. So we know that the budget is going to be legit. We know that Lewis Hamilton is going to make sure that movie is not stupid. And I also am excited that this isn't going to be like his movie, if that makes sense. Like this is not the Lewis Hamilton movie. This is like we had the King Richard movie. This is just a movie about F1.
0: Yeah. Simply that. And it's not – like you said, it's on Apple. So we're going to see lots of press about it, lots of marketing about it. The Formula One name is going to get out there even more. I mean I love what we're doing. I love what we're doing.
1: What's so funny is Lewis Hamilton was asked about it in the press conferences and they were like, you know, are you going to bring your fellow racers drive in it? And he was like, we're going to need drivers. That was like his <laughs> first line. I cracked up. But he did make it clear that this movie is not about him, and it's about F1, so it's helping everybody out, which means there's going to actually be a Lewis Hamilton movie outside of this.
0: Yes, yes. That's, like, what I've
1: determined is what I've learned from this news.
0: I think the Lewis Hamilton movie won't come until he is retired. I
1: hope it doesn't come, like – for another 15 years after he's retired. So the story is about how F1 fit into like his bigger story. It's not the whole story. I mean, do I want an entire documentary about his F1 career? Obviously, maybe give me four of them by competing producers <laughs> and competing platforms and I can tell you which one's the best, like Firefest that documentary. But I want like an actual movie about Lewis Hamilton. And I want F1 to just be a chapter in it because his story is so much bigger than F1. That's my thoughts. Don't ask me to write it. I know nothing beyond what I want to <laughs> see. Can't Couldn't tell you how to get you there. Uh, in other news and less exciting news, Gunther Steiner warns my boy Mick Schumacher. Shoo me. Baby shoe. Also, I hate that I call him baby shoe and... There's something called a shoey. I need to come up with a different nickname in my brain. Um, But nonetheless, um, our favorite Gunther Steiner warned baby Schumacher about crashes. We knew it was going to happen. He had two big ones, one in Jeddah and then one last weekend or two weekends ago in Monaco. A big thing is that Steiner made clear, and I absolutely don't actually like a lot of the articles that were written about this because, of course, they sensationalize it. Essentially, what Schumacher said is – or not with Schumacher, what Steiner said is that it's not possible to continue crashing cars. Schumacher just physically cannot. Well, I mean, he physically can, but financially cannot. Um, they Haas exceeded their repair budget for the season after the Jetta crash. So they are out of fixing money is what I'm calling it. I don't want to call it repair money, because even though that's what they refer to it as, because they have enough money to repair a front wing, but they do not have enough money to fix a car or a chassis. And we won't see upgrades for them. They're not targeting those until the French Grand Prix in July. It's got me worried about Haas, especially because they started off spicy this year, but I mean, with two huge crashes, I do, they just can't afford a third. But also, yeah. can Ferrari afford to keep burning through <laughs> power units? Engines
0: and power units? Are... I, think... I tell you, it's it's going to get spicy here.
1: I mean, I think when... Charles is going to have to take a, an engine penalty in Montreal. Based on what I read on Twitter, uh, that that power unit's a toast. Granted, I don't know how much I trust some of those Twitter news summary (laughs) orders.
0: All right, so this weekend we were in Baku, Azerbaijan. If you missed it, it was the fifth running of the Azerbaijan Grand Prix. It is the sixth time total that we've raced here. It was first named the European Grand Prix way back then. Um, And then for track, it's a street circuit, and it's a mix. So it's got these tight, twisty corners and these long straights into this 90-degree angle turns. There's um, runoff areas. There's safety roads that we often see drivers run into. Um, And so it is... It's a thrilling race. I mean, every year Megan and I are talking about maybe potentially going next year just because um, it's thrilling and it's different every year and it's been different every year. So we've had five different pole sitters and winners. We've had no repeat winners. So in 2016, we had Nico Rosberg. Then in 2017, Daniel Ricciardo, followed by Lewis Hamilton, followed by Valtteri Bottas. We skipped 2020 due to COVID, and in 2021, we had Sergio Perez um, win after that um, tire failure with Max Verstappen last year. And then Lewis Hamilton pressed the wrong button and ran into the um, runoff at the restart. So... Wait.
1: (laughs) Yikes. Did you see... I don't know if you saw it, but on Friday's coverage, there were people in that first turn runoff area in one of the balconies that had a sign that said, Hamilton, there's a turn. Hashtag hammer time. I...
0: Oh, my God. they did not... (laughs) I mean, <laughs> were they
1: wrong? Were they so here's oh my thing? God. I think they were leg- I completely missed that. They were legitimate Hamilton fans, I think from what I gathered from the very short clip of them. They were just trying to help out the driver. But it was chaotically intelligently hilarious. That's what I'm going with that sign. While we're on this topic, did you see the kid that said that had a I don't know. It wasn't a sign. A flag. It was like a flag. It was flag like a flag. it said, Mom, I lied. I'm at the Grand Prix. I'm sorry.
0: Yes. How did you And he was like I with mean? his – also, he was like with his dad.
1: Did the dad lie? The dad lied. The dad totally lied. The dad
0: definitely lied.
1: The kid died. didn't lie. The dad 1000% lied. 1,000% was like, honey, me and the kid, we're going to go out <laughs> for the day. We're going to run some errands. Next thing, you know, Azerbaijan Grand Prix. I need to know if these people are from Baku or literally changed countries. Like, and if in fact, they did lie to the child's mother. So many questions. Where was she? And why wasn't she invited? Also, like like we we did some wild shit as a kid, but why the fuck did we never lie to Mom and go to the Grand Prix? A Grand Prix?
0: Probably because we had no idea what Formula 1 was when we were that old. We
1: could have crossed the river and gone.
0: (laughs) Could have gone to see, uh, what is it, IndyCar over there?
1: Or NASCAR.
0: They had NASCAR NASCAR. two weeks ago
1: and everyone was there and I was like, sorry, wasn't there. That was an F1 weekend. Sorry, friends.
0: F1 always comes before NASCAR. Sorry.
1: uh, I need more details to the story, so.
0: If you're listening. They are not. And you know the kids. (laughs) They might be. Please let us know <laughs> like,
1: how did, what did, where did your mother think that you are? Because it's not like the grandparent you just like, "Oh mom, gonna go to my friend's house back in three hours. He must have been gone all day with his father,
0: yeah, it was it's kind of like when Dad used to take us to breakfast on Saturdays and then. You knew you were just in the long haul and you were going in the train show or you were going to Lowe's or Home Depot because you were stuck in the car with him and there was no turning back to go home. So, I mean, it could have worked for us. It could have worked for us. Yeah, except
1: switch out Lowe's for the Grand Prix. I'm sorry, Dad. Why didn't you lie to Mom and take us to a Grand Prix? Come on, Roger, Rocky, step it up. Lie to Mom a little bit better. And more chaotically,
0: and take us potentially internationally. Yeah, if that can- a secret international trip over to see a Grand Prix. This is going in the letter in Roger's book. This is going in. <laughs> it's going in the book.
1: <laughs> okay, let's finish. <laughs> Not, <sorry. laughs> Total digression, but also a need a, a point that I need to get out and I need people to hear what their thoughts are it was just important to me lots happened this weekend but what was most important was what that child's mother actually thought (laughs) put that up there with like discussing Ferrari's DNFs and importance (laughs) it's up there we entered this weekend with Verstappen nine points ahead of Charles Leclerc and Sergio Perez six points behind Charles Leclerc I, it pains me to say this, but we are leaving this weekend for Stappen ahead of Charles Leclerc by 21 points. And Perez actually jumping ahead of Charles and is now leading him by 13 points, but is by, behind Max Verstappen in the drivers. This is all thanks to that Red Bull 1 2 and the Ferrari, nothing and nothing. <laughs> like, zilt- not a zip. Goose eggs for Charles and Carlos that resulted in Red Bull is now ahead of Ferrari by 80 points. They entered the weekend 36 points up on Ferrari, and I, I th- this just can't happen. I have no words for this weekend. I did not think that this was going to happen at all. In fact, I was really, really, really hoping that we would see a Charles Leclerc victory.
0: And a double DNF by Red Bull. I I remember what we we spoke about. Yes, like, because I we wanted it to be the inverse of what happened. Correct.
1: I also, mm. Katie, there was a point. I know you will know this point when we saw it was Max and Checo on the straight, just like Danny, Rick, and Max Verstappen, and I was like. Holy shit! Are we about to have a Red Bull DNF and a Ferrari DNF? I was like, Is George Russell for for like fifteen seconds in my brain? Not even fifteen seconds. It was like four and a half seconds. I was like, Is George Russell? Is it Russell, gonna happen again? Is this a George is Russell? Is George Russell
0: gonna... gonna take his win?
1: <laughs> we also know. Need... Okay, we're gonna get into the weekend, but we have to touch. We have to discuss George Russell quite a bit. So let's dive into. The weekend. Any other news you wanted to bring up? Any other? The, what am I, am I? Am I missing something?
0: The only other thing I wanted to add was that the last time Red Bull was one two in the driver standings was back in two thousand eleven with Sebastian Vettel and Mark Webber. So ten years later, now we've got Max Verstappen and Sergio Perez one and two in the championship. That's that's the only thing I wanted to add in there. That here we are, ten years later.
1: Oh shit! I did have something else. Shit! I we need. This will be a day late and everyone will have already seen it. But this morning, this morning, what is it? June 13th, Monday, June 13th, when we're recording this in the hotel. Fernando Alonso officially has the longest F1 career. I saw this on Twitter, not Twitter, Instagram this morning, and I have to mention it. I'm sorry, everyone. This is going to be a day late or multiple days late, depending on when you're listening to this. If you're not listening to this on Tuesday, what are you doing? (laughs) Sorry, Fernando Alonso has officially, officially been in Formula One for 21 years, three months, one day. He has, listen to this number, Katie, this is atrocious, 18,427 raced laps. He has 341 race starts, 221 races in the points, 98 podiums, and 32 race wins. So shout out to Fernando Alonso on the longest F1 career.
0: Big congratulations to him.
1: Mans is old and has an awful reality television show on Amazon Prime.
0: And is the only one not complaining about porpoising, but we will get to that later.
1: (laughs) I also did have another nugget that we need to address, and I'm going to address it here off the top. There is a rumor. I got a rumor for you. You're ready What's the rumor. Austin I'm ready. Piastri will replace Nicholas Latifi. I, I can't even get the rest of the words out at Silverstone. And when I tell you that this tea better be the damn truth.
0: It better be the damn truth.
1: I'm done granted Latifi didn't really mess up this weekend. He didn't Latifi was less of a Latifi and stroll was more of a stroll. But nonetheless, I would love to see Oscar Piastri actually replace him.
0: Like, like, actually,
1: actually replace him. And then let's actually see if Alex Albon is just really great at driving an utter shitbox or Latifi's just utter trash. Like, I, I need I need a good reference point because talking about Alex Albon this year is difficult because Latifi is just dumpster fire
0: not giving us anything and
1: with that should we talk about the weekend
0: let's talk about the weekend
1: let's talk about the weekend jump in jump in um on any of this practice shiz that we've got to talk about okay let's talk about friday friday fastest of fp1 was sergio perez and when when this happened i was like damn that Monaco confidence
0: he showed Monaco up. confidence.
1: Is it the contract confidence or the Monaco confidence? I think it's both. Um, needless to say, Checo topped the charts in FP1. This was an interesting practice round uh, or practice session. Um, Schumacher went into the wall with a yellow flag. There was a lot of porpoising that showed back up. We had Mercedes and Ferrari that were most affected by it. And let me tell you, Lewis Hamilton was not quiet on the radio. In fact, I think he was the least quiet on the radio of all the drivers this weekend. We had Nicholas Latifi using that runoff for his car dying and resulting in a VSC. But the most interesting part of the F1 or FP1 and FP2 was really the conversation about what was going on in Red Bull and that DRS situation. Um, In FP1, we saw Verstappen's rear ring really bouncing around. I mean, when I – so I was listening to them talking, but I was like watching it and I was just like, I don't think that's right. (laughs) It was one of those moments where it's like, something's not right here. So actually Red Bull brought brought vote – Wow. Brought both Verstappen and Sergio Perez in to study the rear wing. And this would be a kind of a conversation all day. Um, I think I'm going to get into it more when we talk about FP2, but is there anything that you wanted to add about FP1?
0: Yeah, um, my biggest note from basically all three practice sessions was the moment where we had Danny, Rick, Nicholas Otv and Mick all near the bottom. Actually, they were all in the bottom three for FP1. And it's that time of the season where everyone gets very critical. We're approaching on silly season. We're approaching on um, considerations of the future. And so I just wanted to make this note of... What is going to happen? Obviously, Nicholas Latifi, we've got this rumor going, thanks to Megan's deep dive of finding of rumors about Nicholas Latifi. Uh, (laughs) And we've got Mick, who's been warned about the crashing, but we've got our boy Danny Rick. And I know we've talked about it a little bit, but I just, like, seen all three of them, and all three of them are the ones that are, I think, being questioned the most about their future right now. I just, I wanted to make that point.
1: I mean, we're gonna talk more about McLaren here. I we have to because of the team orders and Lando Norris getting spicy in the press conferences. I was like, dude, you're serving some shade. Where normally I feel like Lando Norris is more worried about like you know playing Legos on <laughs> Twitch streaming than the press conferences, but he showed up today. But I I know I I knew that this was gonna be a conversation piece, especially for the three of them. And it wasn't looking pretty on Friday. Um, Okay, FP2, like I said, I promise we're going to talk more about that DRS. Actually, we're going to talk about the whole Red Bull DRS situation all weekend because we saw Yuki with some tape on it on the race. But in FP2, we had Charles Leclerc going fastest. Checo was second. Verstappen was third. And again, this entire session felt like it was dominated by Red Bull still frantically working on the rear wing of the car. We know that there was a legality check on it and it Seemed it wasn't as straightforward because next thing you know you had the power drills out to adjust it. I also just love that they're like, and we'll bring out the power tools, and then we'll bring out we'll just shave a little bit off of this, and then they're like, in the race, duct tape. Like for the most technically advanced sport, it just feels like at times they just randomly do things in the garages to make the cars like go out and be able to drive.
0: Do not get me started about the duct tape. We will be talking about that later. We're going to have to get into the duct tape.
1: But when – I'm sorry. When Sam Collins was like, it didn't really seem all that straightforward. They have the power drills out. In my head, I was like, are they just out there, like, chiseling chunks off of this to make it legal? The team that literally started the shitstorm in Brazil is the same team that's in the garage. (laughs) power drills like just making sure their their rear wing is legal i was like this is twisted turn of events is all i am going to say and the Alpines, the last note i had about friday before we really dive into saturday is that the Alpines looked quick i say that a lot on friday is the Alpines look racy and i was like damn damn, Alonzo, what are we going to do? And more importantly, I had some questions about whether or not I should put Esteban Ocon on my fantasy team because he was looking not not bad. He was doing well. Overall, on Friday, like I said, it was dominated by the whole Red Bull issue. They still look strong regardless of, like, the fact that Red Bull lost a lot of time on track with the whole DRS issue, the fixing of the DRS issue. And... It was an interesting Friday. Let's just say that. It was very windy. It was very, 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 very windy. We had Lando Norris talking about how windy it was, but luckily the wind would die down over the weekend. So let's talk about Saturday. We had Checo Perez going fastest in FP3, followed by Leclerc and Verstappen. So, you know, three practice sessions in a row, we had those three commanding. And I was like, it's going to be an interesting quality, which brings us to actually qualifying. We had Charles Leclerc taking pole position, his second one, back-to-back in Baku, and his fourth in a row this season. So if anyone's Mr. Saturday, I think it's Charles Leclerc. Then we had Checo Perez in second. And when... When he went second fastest, I was like, I can't wait for turn one. I can't wait for the battle into turn one. He was last year's winner. And I was like, with that Monaco confidence, he's going to be charging into turn one. And he was. Followed by Max Verstappen, Carlos Sainz, who was on provisional pull at one point. We got to talk about that here in a second. Then we had George Russell, Pierre Gasly splitting the Mercs. That was impressive. Shocking. He has... Looking racy, which was awesome considering he's had a rough start to the season, only scoring six points to his name. But I was kind of hoping he was going to have a stellar weekend because he had such a standout weekend here last year in Baku. He didn't disappoint with the best qualifying result of the year, two places ahead of his teammate, Yuki Sonoda. Okay, let's break down the three sessions really quickly because a lot happened. It's very exciting qualifying. Um, and unfortunately, I had to watch it delayed, so I uh, hate when I have to do that. I'm more – I'm. side note, I'm more pissed when I have to watch qualifying late than I have to watch the race late.
0: I would agree. I feel like after Sunday, everyone, like, takes a beat and, like, doesn't spill all the tea. But Saturday is still a middle chunk of the weekend, so, like, all the tea gets spilled on socials before you can even think about re- re-watching, or rewatching. I literally
1: didn't go on Twitter for 45 minutes because I – didn't want qualifying to be spoiled. That's how serious I was about qualifying in Baku. I might have been more serious about qualifying in Baku than b- qualifying in Monaco. I need to unpack that later today. <laughs> <laughs> I'll talk to I'll talk to somebody about that. Um, qualifying <laughs> one, we had Lance Stroll straight to the barriers with a yellow flag at turn 15. He had a double lockup. He prevented Russell from a flying lap. And actually, he went square into those Tech Pro barriers, so his front wing didn't look damaged. I thought that was impressive. I also was like, oh, wow, that front wing's a lot stronger than the Red Bull DRS flap. And then after the weekend, I was like, "Well, oh, that front wing on that green Aston Martin, I mean, that green Red Bull, stronger than Yuki Tsunoda's <laughs> DRS flap as well. Like, I'm just a little confused here. I'm not really that confused. I just thought it was funny. Then... <laughs> Literally, they asked him if his front wing's okay. And let me tell you, Landstroll didn't take long, but to confirm that it was fucked, <laughs> he went into the barrier at turn two. He ruined his wheel. He ruined that front wing that literally was just fine after he went into the barriers. He brought out a red flag and another red flag with two minutes and 30 seconds. I was like, oh shit, this is just Monaco 2.0. Next thing you know, we have a parking lot in the fucking pit lane with everyone trying to get out on track to be able to get around. Just here, I'm gonna t- I'm gonna take a second to explain this. You have to leave the pit lane, get around, and cross the start-finish line before time elapse. Now the Mercedes went out first. They were going slow. They were going slow, I will admit it. Everybody was going slow. They were trying to build in distance or like separate them, spread themselves out so that you know, when they started a flying lap, they had the ability to do the flying lap without getting stuck into traffic. But this was so stressful for me, Katie. Was this stressful for you knowing that Valkyrie had not set a representative time and was down there in P17?
0: I was very, very, very stressed. I, in fact, looked away, and I just was listening to this at this point because I couldn't bear to see them not cross the line. But...
1: He made it happen.
0: Thank God.
1: Happen. Literally after 143 races of making it out of Q1, if Valtteri, my boy Botas, he if he Botas. didn't if he didn't take that ass across the start finish line fast enough, I was going to be peeved and then I was going to say that we're cursing people with our fucking deep dives. But it's okay. It's okay. It's all good. He made he it made across the start finish
0: line. He made it across the got
1: line. Got into Q2. Um, and again, I, I just don't understand how this man can do these things. Crunch time, he really, he really likes to make it happen.
0: Must be that finished
1: demeanor that he has. It's gotta be the finished demeanor. It's gotta be the hockey mentality. I'm gonna go with hockey mentality. You're welcome, intern. Uh <laughs> <laughs> But the last thing that we have to talk about, qualifying one, is what the fuck was up with Fernando Alonso just going straight? I'm sorry. That looked intentional. I'm going to just throw it out there. That did not look like he had locked up and actually fully committed to that corner at all. He brought out the yellow flag, and Albin was pissed. I don't ever think I've seen that kid more pissed off on the radio than this moment or heard him.
0: Yeah. Yeah heard him He was Upset Very upset Um I don't think I've ever heard him like that either Needs to be Needs to be Investigated This is ridiculous rah, 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 rah.
1: I also thought it was kind of weird that it wasn't investigated Because it didn't look like he was committed to that corner At all But that's the FIA for you.
0: Inconsistency is their key word
1: It is their bread and butter out in Q1 was Schumacher, Stroll, Latifi, Albon, and K Mag. Unfortunate for them. Q2, the Alfa Romeos were out last. And again, I was so stressed out. They didn't come out until like the last five minutes of Q2. Um, and the point here I want to make is Zhao out qualified Botas. And neither would advance. I was like, interesting turn of events here. Interesting turn of events. Jao was looking racy. He was making it happen on Saturday. And a part of me, I think I might have jinxed him, Katie. In my head, I was like, this was a great Saturday for him. What does this mean about Friday? I mean, Sunday.
0: Yeah. Well, you jinxed him. I might have jinxed him. Next
1: important thing to talk about is Lewis Hamilton. I've, again, another set of radio messages that felt very uncharacteristic for a driver. He was just absolutely dejected. Absolutely unfortunate an upsetty spaghetti at one point, um, Bono on the radio said, remember that Delta because Lewis Hamilton was going slow, trying to get a toe from Lando Norris, trying to get Lando Norris to go around him so that he could follow in that slipstream and get a couple, get a little bit of extra power advantage from it. Um, and Hamilton straight up said on the radio. Sometimes I don't know what you want from me, man. Both McLarens would be out of Q2, which was unfortunate. <laughs> Lewis Hamilton would make it out, but didn't bode well for the rest of the session. It really just was kind of didn't bode well for the entire weekend. Okan, Zhao, and Botas would be out. And then finally, Q3, we had Carlos Sainz on provisional pole at one point, and I was really hoping this was going to be his first pole position, but it's clear that I, I just don't think I, I don't think he's got it yet. He hasn't figured out the car yet.
0: No, and um, something that I've been keeping my eye on is the fact that he'll do great. He'll get out there. he'll He'll set a lap, and it's a good time. But unlike Verstappen, Leclerc, and now Sergio Perez, who are improving on their own lap times over and over and over again, We're seeing little mistakes come out of signs, and he's not able to give us that second, third, fourth good lap of the quali session to improve upon his time time and time again.
1: It just – it's like he can put up a time. It's a good time, but he can't follow it up with a better time. There's no. no second run in him. There's no second life in him at all. It's like, yep, moving on. Moving so, on. you know, he was on provisional pull. Then I think in the, in the order it went was Perez, then Verstappen. No, Perez, then Leclerc, then Verstappen set faster times than him, if I have that order correctly. And he just, he didn't have it in him to get a, to get a better time up there. And, you know, so he went from provisional pole to ultimately starting P4. And with that, Katie, let me hear about the race.
0: Yeah, let me tell you about the race. So, um, it wasn't noted until after we were lights out in a way, but, um, it happened before we were lights out in a way. Nicholas Latifi um was put under investigation to kick off the race Uh reason for it um uh, mechanic was still out on the grid after the warning so it was really more of a team issue than a Nicholas latifi issue but since it is Nicholas latifi's car um i'm counting this as in the nicolas latifi issue um so another another stellar weekend for our boy Nicholas latifi but it was lights out, and away we went in Baku with a dream start off the line for Charles and Sergio, um, who then suffered this—Charles suffered this huge front-left lockup into turn one, which allowed Checo, who, again, had a great launch, to take the inside line and the lead of the race. And before we knew it, Max Verstappen was challenging for P2— Science was on Max's ass and Max was on Leclerc's ass. Um, luckily with Max having to defend, um, against Carlos, Charles remained in P2. And that was, it was a stellar start to the race. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I rewatched it probably like six or seven times. Um, but it was, it, it was exactly what I wanted to see from Checo, and that's what I got. It's not what I wanted to see from Charles, but what I wanted to see from Checo.
1: I feel like the, this this race start proves the importance of having both of your cars on the front row or both of your cars on the second row. The whole splitting of the teammates, this is, this is why teams don't want it because Max – was stuck focusing on science behind him and not focusing on attacking this is why you don't want your car split this start is the example this is what team principles should be like go watch this and this is why your bitch asses need to not lose positions because if it had been if it had – if into turn one we had had two Red Bulls leading two Ferraris or two Ferraris leading two Red Bulls, then that second car would have been able to back up their opponents, which honestly kind of impressive. The Checo was like 1.2 seconds ahead of Charles Leclerc after the first lap. Maybe it was 1.1 1. Yep. 1. 1 seconds. So even splitting the car is still impressive. Sorry. Had to jump in and say it. Keep
0: going. No, that was beautiful. Um, early on in the race, McLaren issued some team orders for Daniel to remain behind Lando um, as they were trying to pull away from Ocon. So I just felt that that was so early in the race to be aiming for or to be announcing team orders. Um, so had to, and I know we're going to talk about it later. So had to mention that. Um, and then on lap nine, we saw our first yellow flag and DNF with Carlos Sainz into the runoff area, at turn four. He had a failure, so he was our first DNF. Um, we had a lot of DNFs this race, which made for an interesting race, albeit a boring, albeit far from a boring one. Um, on lap thirteen, we saw this. Attempted overtake Vettel around the outside of Ocon into turn three. He ended up in the safety runoff. Spun, got back on track. He was passed by Yuki Tsunoda. Um, we saw Vettel and Ocon, Vettel, you know, attempting to get around Ocon in that same spot a couple times. He was actually able to um, quite a few laps later, deep in the, like, lap 20s, um, and we saw him eventually pass Ocon. But they had a nice battle throughout the race. Just a lap later, so lap 10, we saw the Red Bulls coming up the straight with, like we've mentioned, Max Verstappen passing Sergio Perez to take the lead. We thought it was going to be a Daniel-Max Red Bull review of running into each other, but I think uh, Perez lost a lot of pace in the lap before. And he was told no fighting, so it was a clean pass. And there really wasn't much that Sergio could have done to defend Max, knowing that the very next lap, Max could have easily have had him just on pace alone. Lap 18, we saw Hamilton pass Ocon on the inside of turn three to get up to P9. It had been boiling for about five laps, so it was nice to see Hamilton be able to make that move around Ocon. Oh, the hardest news of the whole entire race. Megan's rolling her eyes as I say this, but it's lap 20. It was a huge blowout for Charles Leclerc. Big smoky engine causing the double DNF for Ferrari. Um, He was able to make it back to the pit, so we didn't necessarily have any impeding on the race. Um, But it ended the day for the boys in red. And it ended my day. I was pretty upset. I spent... Probably the next 10 laps
1: being like, what the hell about <laughs> I <laughs> Just like in yeah, pure but, rage mode.
0: Yeah, because it's clear that we are now experiencing and have been experiencing major engine issues that need to be addressed I just, if we're going to continue this fight.
1: Burry, I get it. You wanted to focus on performance, but where the fuck is the reliability you're letting me down on Sunday. You get me all hyped up on a Saturday, and the next thing you know Sunday I'm just so dejected and have to spend the whole day contemplating my life decisions and supporting Ferrari this year.
0: I saw this hilarious thing and now I'm now it's slipping my mind as I say that out loud. Um It might come back to me later. Oh, it was so good. Damn. Now I regret bringing it up because it made me forget it. Ferrari
1: needs to focus on being less like McDonald's and more like a Chick-fil-A in terms of their reliability. Maybe they should have designed their jumper – I mean their jerseys to look more like a Chick-fil-A uniform than a McDonald's one.
0: And that's the tea. And that's the tea on Ferrari.
1: (laughs) That's all I'm saying. I think you. I think you used the wrong fast food establishment to be your benchmark of reliability. Hell, sometimes the McDonald's gets my Diet Coke order wrong. <laughs> I'm so mad about this whole Double DNS thing. Like I'm legitimately livid.
0: She's in the angry part of of um, grief. <laughs> She's working through it. It's all I, a long, angry, angry section. All
1: I can say is it is going to be a very awful flight home, two flights home with a lot of airport beers if Ferrari doesn't fucking pull their shit together for Canada. The intern is not going to be happy and will write a strongly worded letter to
0: Ferrari
1: on Monday on our return home if this bullshit continues.
0: And it better not.
1: It better not. I don't think my wallet, nor airport security, would appreciate this Ferrari. <laughs> Maybe I should just send my bill to them.
0: <laughs> Matea <is> for emo- <laughs> emotional distress. That so caused. You have caused this. F- six airport beers later. <laughs> well, prayers... And manifesting that Ferrari is going to have a beautiful weekend in Canada.
1: Everyone. This is this – is, get, this get, your is get your candles. Get your candles. out. we're doing a prayer circle.
0: We're doing a prayer circle. We'll set a time and let everybody know. Cry session right. at
1: 8 p.m., prayer circle at 9 p.m.
0: Katie, keep I'm gonna, going. I'm going to get us back on track. Yeah, I'm going to get us back on track. All right. It was the second time in three races that Daniel Ricciardo has been overtaken by Pierre Gasly. Finally, were the words of Pierre on the overtake, <laughs> like, finally able to get around this man. Pierre went on to make it up to fifth place, one of his best results of the season. I believe his best result of the season. Um, off the top of my head, it has to be. Um, and Daniel went on to get passed by Lewis Hamilton as well. Daniel finished the race eighth in front of teammate Lando Norris. And we'll get into the spicy details of the Second round of team orders from McLaren in a minute. Lap 24, we heard terrible news for Guan Yu Zhao, who who was pulled back into the pits and DNF'd. Lap 33, we had K-Mag having to stop the car and pull over, virtual safety car, and yet another DNF. He hopped out of the car, and the car started rolling away, and he was waving frantically... To try to get some support, it was kind of a it was a funny moment of the race. I highly suggest giving it a watch. Um, Stroll was also behind him on the DNF train, having to retire due to a vibration within the car. So five DNFs for the total on this race. Um, yeah, it's it's that point we're at that reliability breaking point, and we're now going to start to see a lot of. Penalties thanks to taking engines and new power units and all of the good things. So, Lewis Hamilton passed Yuki Tsunoda, who had a broken DRS flap. Um, He was shown the mixed black and orange flag. He comes into the pit. And I think they're just going to retire the car. Like, that's just it. We're just going to be done. You're not going to be able to use DRS. No. They come out with the tape. And I'm talking like strips of tape. They're frantic about it. You know that. You know it's not on there cleanly. Like I know that tape is not on there cleanly at all. It's double folded over. It's messy. It's it's. But it gets the job done. And Yuki's like, so what the hell? He he's like, what's going on? And they're like, no GRS the rest of the race. So you know he ended up finishing thirteenth, whereas Lewis finished P four ahead of Yuki's teammate Pierre. But you know it's fine. The tape worked. He made it to the end of the race. I think that's all that matters when you're pulling out the duct tape is if you just make it to the end. (laughs) Which finally brings us really to the end of the race. Lap 50, Lando was told to hold position behind Daniel. um, Got a little spicy, but it was really his post-race comments. And then lap 51. Final lap of the race with Max Verstappen becoming the sixth different winner to take a win in Baku. Sergio Perez took second and the fastest lap. And Mr. Consistency, George Russell, up on another podium of the season in third place. I mean,
1: Katie, you said it right. Charles Leclerc is no longer... No, I'm sorry. George Russell is no longer Mr. Saturday. He's Mr. Consistency, and Charles Leclerc is Mr. Saturday.
0: Yep. And I wasn't gonna say this. I I wasn't, but I'm gonna have to. Max Verstappen may be Mr. Sunday because he has now won more races from a Charles pole than Charles has won races from a Charles pole.
1: Honestly. Charles should stop going for pole. It clearly oh. does not bode well for him. Stick to P2, P3, dude. Like, literally, pole position is not your place. Stay in your lane, Charles. Stay in your lane. No. Stay in your no. Lane. We have no to talk about place. George Russell here. Yeah. We have to talk, talk about, about George Russell. Because that kid, man, human – Sorry, I didn't mean to call him a kid. He just sits back and waits for bullshit to happen in the front and just swoops
0: in with like, hey, I'm here. How y'all doing? <laughs> and he, he's he been timing it perfectly. And I think that he's had patience. We are seeing what kind of a driver he really is. Um, I think this was an excellent move for him. And never did I ever think he was going to be outperforming Hamilton like this but i'm proud of him i I am proud of him this is this is a
1: phenomenon i'm calling it a phenomenon because he's playing it so intelligently i'm sorry so intelligently like let me just vibe here not gonna let anyone bother me not gonna get into the scuffle and then i'm just gonna sit back swoop up the points behind the the leaders He is playing a perfect, a perfect third fastest car, third in the constructor's role. Just like, let you guys figure it out up front. Whatever happens, I'm going to swoop in consistently in the top five. And really, I mean, he's fourth in the drivers, Katie. He has 99 points. He's ahead of Carlos Sainz. I mean, Carlos Sainz has had some DNF issues. Not some, DNF issues. (laughs) They've been abundant, but... I mean, he is consistently there to swoop up, to clean up the points. Just like what what you got left after the 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 top four are done, he's like, "What what, what scraps can I pick up?" And that is perfect place to play it until they can get that car, the performance. Once I I mean, once Merk gets that car's performance, he's toast. I mean, not he's toast, like the people ahead of him are toast.
0: Yeah, I mean, I was Trying to pull up the um the run of his how well he's done so far this year. But I mean take a minute to head to formula one dot com, go to the standings. I think Megan's pulling it up right now. Yeah. Um but it's just been incredible. And he's timing it right. He's got the patience, he's got the temperament, and I really think that we will I mean, he's seventeen points behind Charles. That's all I got
1: to say. That's all I'm going to say. Okay, here is his run. He is – I'll just go in order of the races. So P4, P5, P3, P4, P5, P3, P5, P3. Beautiful. I mean, he's, like, been in the points every race, been in the top five every race, is just consistently, like, sweeping it up. Like, I know my car doesn't have the performance, but I can consistently sit and defend this position – take it close enough to the leaders. I, I it's impressive. Very impressive. I did think Very it was impressive. interesting that his comment this week was like if you told me last year that we would be what we're eight races in and he wouldn't have a race win with Mercedes, I'd be disappointed, but He's intelligent and self-aware enough of, like, the car's performance to say, like, look. But if I actually look at this year, this has been a great performance for me. And I think that's completely true.
0: Agree. Absolutely agree. Okay. So this weekend, I didn't think I placed any bets. But I got an email this morning saying <laughs> that my balance had changed in my <laughs> DraftKings account, which I'm I didn't know. i I didn't know I had a DraftKings account, so I had a birthday trolley on Saturday night, um, which if you don't know what a birthday trolley is, you get on this trolley with all your friends and um, you get drunk. So I guess at some point on Saturday night, I placed a bet that Sergio Perez was going to win. I obviously lost that, but it was only $5, so at least I was responsibly betting when I was drunk. That's all I've got to say on that. Oh, but get ready for Canada because I'll be placing some good bets on Canada.
1: Oh, yeah. I think we're going to use some of Roger's money. He doesn't know this yet yeah. either. <laughs> no.
0: And I'm going and I'm going back to BetUSA. So many more options to bet on. I went and looked on DraftKings this morning, and there's just not as many options on what you can place bets on it, within Formula 1. So highly recommend BetUSA. This is not sponsored, nor am I offering any betting advice, but highly, highly recommend.
1: Hot, 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 hot. Well Katie might not have bet. But you know what's looking damn sexy? Is my Brazil comeback. <laughs> I I predicted it. I predicted it. Yes, just, you did. I I need the Brazil comeback now. Sorry, you can't. You can't have it. I started it. So I am currently sitting P4 in fantasy with seven thousand three hundred and thirty-one points, and Katie is at sixty-nine oh eight. Our Azerbaijan yeah. fantasy podium, which I love that it does this. Now that I know this, this is all I live for in my weekends. After the race is over, obviously. We had Smooth Operator in P1. He was the Max Verstappen of this weekend. We had gavo Eleven, our brother, as the Sergio Perez of the weekend. And we had Ham as King as George Russell. Ham might be King, but he was the George Russell of this weekend coming in P3. Again... We still have smooth operator leading, but I'm, I'm thinking now that I've had my Brazil comeback against Katie, I need to start setting my sights on P1. So uh, smooth operator, don't worry. I'm coming for you. We have lots of rounds left and anything is possible.
0: All right. Let's get into our race questions.
1: Where do you want to start, Katie? Like, I I feel like there's a lot of random questions I have, so nothing is actually intelligently (laughs) placed together. Like, none of the questions go together.
0: Yeah, I don't have any order to this. I think since we've been hinting at it, let's start with to fight or not to fight, and let's talk about these team orders that were given out this weekend.
1: Um, In a twisted turn of events, I'm going to defend Red Bull.
0: Can't wait to hear this.
1: In a twisted – Turn of events, I'm defending it. And look, I understand. I understand why Christian Horner was like, don't do this. Apparently they had a meeting that morning that were like Red Bull was basically like, Come on, come on you two. Let's not fight. Let's we're not gonna put each other into the wall. We're not going we're gonna focus on a team results. Essentially, Christian Horner was saying, Don't have twenty eighteen happen again. And look. For Red Bull, I think this was intelligent. I think this was actually very intelligent. Um, I know, weird, weird turn of events for me, but... um, But ultimately, I think it was important for them to make sure that they got solid points this weekend especially in a weekend that Ferrari had a double DNF. Not that they knew that was going to happen, but it was intelligent for them to be like, look, let's not be stupid.
0: Yeah. Um, I think with Sergio Perez being in the position that he is in, he, as we have seen, knows his place and knows not knows to back off when he needs to back off um, and let Max through when max needs to be led through i will be very intrigued um as we get further along in the season and if sergio continues to shine as well as he has been these past two weekends if at any point red bull may throw some more weight behind sergio i have no idea if they will i have no idea if they would ever but it's nice to think about (laughs)
1: I don't actually think it's ever going to happen. Yeah. I'm sorry. It's just not going to happen at all, in my opinion. But I, I I will say I do defend it for this weekend, knowing how recently 2018 was, knowing the fact that this weekend was about capitalizing on a potential Ferrari issue, knowing that sweeping up the points was good, knowing that Checo didn't have the pace that Verstappen did. I support the no fighting call. Um, I do appreciate that they decided to have the radio call just be no fighting because they knew that they had had that earlier meeting. Yeah. Now let's talk about McLaren. Yeah.
0: I think um, I'm just going to head off McLaren by saying what Lando Norris said in the post-race press conference, which was, I could have finished eighth if I was more of a rebel.
1: Okay, Lando, so you were just going to have one point up on Danny Rick. Look, here, here's my thing about what happened with McLaren. It doesn't actually fucking it matter. Doesn't. And ultimately, I feel like Lando Norris conceded that when he was like, look, we weren't fighting for a podium. We weren't fighting for a race win. I think if they were running 3-4, this would be a different conversation, but they were running 8-9. Yeah, Who cares? Who cares? I do think, I do think that part of this and part of the team order is not that I've heard any of this come out of Eddie McLaren, anybody official. This is just my supposition is that part of the hold position was truthfully just as a confidence boost for, for Daniel Ricciardo. I think getting, I mean, the points don't matter. They were 8-9. I repeat, 8-9. So if all, all they all McLaren at the end of the day was like, look, we just want to give Danny Rick, you know, a little confidence boost, little,
0: little, little,
1: then this was worth it.
0: Yeah, and I, I can see them doing that, and I can, I can understand it. Um, I don't know. I think, like I said, like we have been saying, I'm pretty sure I said it earlier this episode. I just want to see more from Daniel, and I know that everybody else does, but it's like, when's it going to come back? I'm hoping Montreal,
1: but I'm convinced it's not going to happen. I don't know. I don't know when we're going to see more out of him. Hopefully, this little—I don't even know if this was a confidence boost. He seemed happier in the press conference after he was like done, like arching his back, feeling looking like he was in pain from porpoising. Um, I mean, it was nothing like Lewis Hamilton's pain, I guess. Not, I guess. I mean, he talked about it. I'm not. I'm not saying he wasn't in pain. I'm just saying. Um, Daniels was less aggressive than Lewis Hamilton stretching his back.
0: Yeah. Alrighty. Um where do we want to go next? There's so many oh. places to go.
1: Uh maybe, maybe let's just stick with what happened in Race, and then we'll talk about all the, the other stuff. Um Like we've been talking about all all episode, Ferrari is finding success on Saturdays. Red Bull is thriving on Sundays. We have a Mr. Saturday and a Mr. Sunday that have nothing to do with George Russell. But how does or can can Ferrari translate their Saturday pace to success on Sunday? And how do they do that?
0: Yeah. I mean, I think at the end of the day, it all comes down to reliability. You can successfully complete a qualifying session and take Fastest, second fastest, or third fastest. You know, you're taking one, two, threes, and sometimes fours in qualies. The only reason you're not doing as well in the race is because you're not finishing the race.
1: They just need to cross they, the finish all line. All they need
0: to do, it's like Will Buxton says to finish the race, you have to cross the finish line. To get in the points, you have to cross the finish line, Like to, or to even potentially get in the points, you have to cross the finish line. And so I think they need to take a big step back, look at the car's reliability, look at the engine's reliability specifically. Maybe we need an upgrade here or there. I don't know if it's, we're quite ready for that, but we may. it might be time for another trial run of some upgrades. And I think we really just need to focus on getting the car across the line. It's as simple as that. It
1: it seems interesting because the first couple of races, we were having the Red Bull reliability. Now we have the Ferrari reliability issue. We're having an Alfa Romeo reliability issue. I figured every team was going to suffer this at some points. It's just very unfortunate that right now Ferrari just – it can't connect the dots on Sunday. No.
0: And it's – this might be a little harsh, but it's embarrassing.
1: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I am just going to go into my second question because it kind of has to do with this whole Ferrari issue. It's a bit of – I said we were going to stay in the race. Now I'm leaving the race. Whatever. What the fuck? Never have a plan here. But I feel like it's important to talk about. Is it just me wanting a consolation prize for Charles right now or – or should the sport reward the driver who's on pole with a point? Two points, three points. I don't know.
0: Oh, this is a tough question. Um, I did not see this coming. Let me think about this for a second.
1: Hmm. Do you want me to give you some IndyCar context? Will that help? Sure. Go
0: ahead. Drop it on me.
1: So, like, IndyCar awards an additional point to the pole sitter. And then at the Indy 500, the top nine... If I'm saying this correctly. No, it's 12. It's 12. The top 12 in Indy 500 get, like, points awarded. So, like, the first one is 12 points. Obviously, there's no way that Formula One could go to that many amount of points for qualifying. But should they give, like, a point to the pole sitter? Like, what's the point? I get what the point is. That sounded stupid. But, like, should there be, like, a monetary a points reward for the fastest performance on Saturday?
0: I'm thinking thinking about it at, in the idea of how Fastest lap is awarded an extra point. And if I think about it in that way, then I don't mind the pole sitter taking home an extra point. I don't really know if I have any reasons why I wouldn't be okay with it other than points are for the race and... And sprint races, I guess, now. Like, you... The drivers have the opportunity to get themselves in the position to then score points. And that's the monetary behind it. Is You want to be in that position to have a better place. And so, I don't know if it would really make that much of a difference. I'd have to... We'd have to maybe play around with it a little bit in our beautiful Excel doc of power rankings. And maybe add in and see if it changes, changes who is leading, leading. I mean, it would definitely mean that Charles would be further ahead of George Russell, um, for example, but I, I don't know. I'm very hesitant for it, but I can't, I can't give you a good reason why, other than it's just not how it's done.
1: I don't know. I kind of like the idea of rewarding the fastest lap on Sunday and the fastest lap on Saturday. Okay. But that also could just be my thought process right now because I want to give Charles something. Like, you have great performance on Saturday. You should be somewhat rewarded. Yeah. I Maybe this is why I was, like, kind of a good teacher but also, like, a horrible teacher because I just always
0: felt bad. Like, you should, <laughs> you should kind of be rewarded for your work. So we're going to go ahead and give you a – we're going to round you up today.
1: It's like math class. Like, Charles LeClerc showed his work. Max Verstappen didn't show his work, so we must reward him. <laughs> I'm done. I'm done. This is so
0: funny. Yeah, I don't I don't know. I don't know about that one. Let me ask my next question. Um, let me ask what's <laughs> let me I think Megan's actually being interrupted by one of her students now.
1: <laughs> I'm literally being interrupted by a student as I'm making fun of people showing math.
0: Okay, so <laughs> We've got to talk about this one because it was the talk of the whole entire weekend. Does the FIA need to do something about the porpoise? Or are they going to leave it be and the teams can figure it out? Total Wolf was like, every single driver has agreed that something is amok with the porpoise except for Fernando Alonso. So I don't know, Megan, what are your thoughts on this? I personally think that the teams are going to work it out. We're going to figure it out. But it is a safety concern. And I think after seeing how hurt Lewis Hamilton has been um, from it this weekend, that it needs to, we at least need to address it.
1: I think the FIA is going to have to do something about it, but I don't actually think that it's their responsibility to do anything about it. Sorry, it's clear that the Porpozingo is affecting other teams and not some teams. And so if the some teams can figure it out, isn't it kind of the responsibility of all teams to figure it out? I do think the only reason why I think the FBI is going to have to step in is because drivers are in pain. And they're not like actually wanting to or having the ability physically to be able to complete a race. If Lewis Hamilton doesn't race in Montreal... Because of this, I think they'll have to intervene.
0: And according to his Instagram, he will see us next weekend in Montreal. So I'm I'm holding that – I'm holding his Instagram word to him and hoping that he will actually show. I just hope that there aren't any um, – that he gets some rest. I hope that all the drivers get some rest. I know he was not the only one and has not been the only one affected by this. So um, it will be interesting to see – I think, how next weekend plays out in terms of porpoising.
1: I also just wonder if this weekend was much more aggressive in terms of porpoising because we're coming off of or I'm wondering, let me let me retract exactly what I'm saying here or explain what I'm trying to say here. Like, was it just this track is so much worse after we had kind of gotten to a place where it had gotten better that now it's. I say that though, hearing these words come out of my mouth is just like not accurate. Like they've been suffering of it all year, and maybe, maybe the truth is is the FAA needs to step in because, and maybe George Russell is right when he says, like, you know, here we are, like barreling down at two hundred miles per hour, and we're like, Ugh. if it, in my opinion, when I was driving to Louisville. And I hit the like runoff, you know, when it, on the highway where you're like hit the bumps. If I was doing that, if, if I hit that at 200 and then had to do it for 90 minutes.
0: I'd be uncomfortable. My back would hurt as well.
1: My back would hurt as well. So, I mean, maybe it is the burden of the FIA to step in. I just don't actually see them doing it. And I see them putting it back onto the teams, which if some teams are able to fix it and some teams aren't like maybe that is. Where maybe that's who has the burden right now. I could see a regulation changing for next year to prevent the porpoising. But I don't see a regulation change main inside season. of yeah.
0: 2022. Not midseason, season no.
1: Um, okay, let's get into our last um, question. And this one is a little just a bit broader, kind of like the porpoising question. There was a lot of talk about like a potential driver's salary cap. This talked about at the press conference a lot. I have a feeling based on Katie's facial expression, I know what her thoughts is. But is there even a damn point to this or is this just some bullshit? No,
0: who cares? Like, I'm sorry. If you want me to get on my soapbox for a minute, I will. All professional athletes are paid way too much money.
1: Insert snaps here.
0: Like, all professional drivers, all professional football players, all professional whatever sport it is, make way too much money for what they're doing. I totally understand that in F1, you know, they're putting their lives on the line. It's a little different. The stakes are a little higher. It's way more elite. But if I'm going to get on my box for a minute, like I said, and talk about this, why aren't teachers getting paid more? Why aren't...
1: Insert snaps here.
0: Why aren't doctors getting paid more? Why aren't... Um, you know, policemen or firefighters or nurses or people who are actually out there saving lives or growing our future being paid more. I, I don't care how much they're paid at the end of the day because they're, they're paid too much, all of them. And so, should there be a driver's ca- salary cap? Maybe. Does it really matter? No. I mean, if, if
1: F1 is going to be a $14 billion enterprise, then the drivers should be paid more. Yeah. And I think it's kind of a waste of our time. I think Max Verstappen is right when he says having a driver, when he asked, was asked the question, he said, it's completely wrong. I agree. I also love that he talked about, and a lot of drivers mentioned this, that in capping the F1 driver's salary, it's going to negatively disadvantage the junior categories because a lot of those drivers have sponsors or backers that get paid a portion of F1 driver's salaries. So if F1 driver salaries are capped and sponsors don't have the ability to access a higher like percentage of a larger salary when the driver gets to F1, then is that going to push sponsors to not look at junior categories at all? And if It requires billions, not billions, millions of dollars to get through juniors, then it is necessary for sponsors to step in and fill that burden, knowing that they'll hopefully make the money back in F1. I think if they do a driver's salary cap, then I don't know if that additional cap money needs to be then funneled into the junior. I don't know how that all functions, but if it negatively disadvantages the junior categories, ultimately that will negatively disadvantage the future of F1. And fuck, those drivers are risking their lives to pay him whatever. Yeah. That is, the, that is the, the race questions, Katie. Let me hear about your winners and losers.
0: Yeah, you know, um, my winners and losers are pretty easy this week. Lewis Hamilton is my winner. Top four finish, first time this season. Incredible. Um, again, I said it earlier, but I'm concerned about his back. But... His word. He said we'll see him in Canada. So we're going to see him in Canada.
1: I hope we legitimately see him in Canada. Me too. Me too. My winner of this week is, I, I debated, but I went with Sebastian Vettel for two reasons. One, he crashed intelligently in qualifying, he ended P9 in qualifying. He also had the best finish of the year for Aston Martin. He was P6 this weekend, and really, it felt it felt like he had a spark back this weekend. He also, fuck, he saved that into the runout, runoff in the he race with that like spin maneuver. I was like very James Bond uh, of him in that gigantic F1 car. But really, he said he said it best himself. P6 in Azerbaijan for him was a really good result, and it felt like in the press conferences he had that oomph back. So I'm here for it. I'm happy for him. I'm happy for Aston Martin. Lance Stroll had a rough weekend, but Sebastian Vettel saved it.
0: My loser of the weekend was – I debated this too. It was – it was I, I don't know. There were so many DNFs. There were so many this. There were so many that. But I took a step back and looked at the bigger season picture, and I chose Carlos Sainz because to be a Carlos Sainz fan right now is – incredibly difficult because we are just not seeing performance from him that I'll be honest. I was expecting out of him from the start of the season. So he's my loser. Um, If it keeps up, he might be my loser of the season to be completely honest.
1: I caramba on that one. My loser of this week is Zhao. I really fell for him this weekend. He out-qualified Valtteri for the first time this year. He had three DNFs in the last four races. And really, it's just shitty that it happened again in Baku. I, as a rookie, I feel like the biggest thing, and this is something that all rookies need in any sport, is just the reps. Like, the ability to go out there and and. And be a part of it as much as possible your Ricky year and learn as much as possible. And three DNFs in four races is just fucking unfair to him. Um, he needs the, he needs the time on track. He deserves it. And really, he was showing excellent race pace before the DNF. So it just was an unlucky weekend for him again. It's his third unlucky weekend in four races. And I really want Alpha Romeo to figure it the fuck out. Because clearly he's showing us like glimmers of his excellence, but it just can't translate to a weekend success when the car isn't reliable.
0: And you could hear how disappointed he was when he got the word. Like he was just upset about it, which like every right to be, but you could hear in his voice like how, how, how ugly it was for him.
1: I just, I really kind of have no more words about it because I'm just, I feel for him. And maybe I feel for him extra because we just had the Alfa Romeo episode and we talked about him a lot, but I'm really hoping for a solid weekend in Montreal and really a solid weekend where he gets to complete the race time or the race laps, the race distance, whatever word you want to use there, insert it.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I really hope that there are no DNFs next weekend unless it's...
1: Entertaining DNFs entertaining. that are on entertaining DNFs that are uncontroversial and safe. <laughs> um, into our honorable mention. I'm very excited about this one. This was gonna be my winner, but I ultimately went with Seb because I love him and I think he got a spark back. But my honorable mention for the weekend is Pierre Gasly. Pierre, Pierre. Pierre, I love him. He's great, phenomenal, love everything about him. Damn, he's serving some Instagram spiciness. Like, get the Mercedes admin a raise. Fuck, get him a raise. Yeah, get the salary cap. Fuck
0: the salary cap. Get Pierre a raise.
1: He had a top five finish after his start of the year was just rocky. Let's, he, was, he was on a rocky road at the beginning of the year. And this one, I think, just like Seb, was just like a spark of inspiration. Or at least I hope it's a spark of inspiration. Um, he has run the last, Pierre Gasly has run the last four races without scoring points. To go from not scoring points in four races to a top five finish is important. He said it best when he said, We haven't had much luck so far, so it was important for a clean weekend, and they did have a clean mistake. clean weekend. They had no mistakes this weekend, showed pace and practice, best quality and race results of the year. And really he had a solid battle with Lewis until Lewis pitted for fresher tires. If you're battling with the Mercedes, you're you're doing something right this year, considering Mercedes are best of eight.
0: For our hidden gem of the week, we chose the fact that there was an all-woman team of officials at one section of the track, which was incredible to see. The photos are phenomenal. We'll put them up on our story on Instagram if you haven't seen them. But in addition, Baku had one of the highest number of female officials at the event, and this year was the first time that we had seen an all-woman team at one of the posts. Um, featured at any Grand Prix so just huge everyone knows why it's huge it's you know women in motorsport has been a push for many years and this goes to any section of motorsport whether you're driving whether you're a fan whether you have a podcast whether you're participating or whether you're volunteering as one of the marshals it's great to see um, and they were decked out in all pink in support of breast cancer. So it was – the photos are truly just so good. I'm going to put them – I'll put them up on the story um, so that you can all see them. But it's incredible.
1: Pink for breast cancer awareness month. <laughs> Not in support of breast cancer. Yes.
0: Sorry. You guys – yeah. You know what I was talking about. <laughs> you
1: know what you were saying, but I wanted to clarify for <laughs> for everyone
0: thank you megan
1: <laughs> it's early it's early we i made a record real real early this morning because i'm in eastern time it's on me it's on me katie where are we going to next it's happening! it's
0: happening, everybody. Pack your bags. The tank is clean. I'm just kidding if you know that the reference sun is out, the tank is clean. The sun is up. The tank is clean. But Megan and I have our suitcases out. We're throwing clothes in there. We're throwing all of our f one merch because we are headed to the Canadian G p for the first time and for the first time since twenty nineteen because we didn't have it in twenty twenty. So it is, or 2021, excuse me, COVID, man, it really took us out. It, (laughs) It is a 70 lap race that was last won by Lewis Hamilton and saw Sebastian Vettel and Charles Leclerc on podium. It was an exciting and controversial race due to Sebastian Vettel being handed a five second penalty that automatically promoted Hamilton to first after having been within three seconds of the Ferrari for the whole race. It would give to one of Megan's favorite moments. It's also one of mine, but it's definitely one of Megan's of Vettel switching the signs in the pit lane from one to two. So truly incredible.
1: I love a petty moment. I love a petty moment. <laughs> give me a petty moment in the pit
0: lane. Give, give me a paddock petty. I need paddock pettiness in Montreal. And we hope to see it. Check out next week's episode as we review our canadian grand prix adventure thank you
1: so much for listening to another episode don't forget to subscribe and follow us at dirty driving pod on twitter and instagram
0: until next time stay dirty